0: Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Natural 20-somethings, an audio program detailing and discussing the danger, depth, difficulties, diversions, dice, decadence, and drama of D&D. We're ever so pleased you're here.
1: and welcome back to Natural 20-somethings. I'm Olivia. And I am Laurel. And today we're tackling a topic that I think will make all the tiefling mains very happy, and (laughs) that is discovering a character's sexuality. Now, uh, we all know the D&D community is host to pretty much every flavor of queer under the sun. Indeed. In terms of players, but the player's handbook actually does do a pretty decent job of uh, talking about what this means for character and character creation specifically. So this is what it says. Think about how your character does or does not conform to the broader culture's expectations of sex, gender, and sexual behavior. You don't need to be confined to binary notions of sex and gender. Likewise, your character's sexual orientation is for you to decide. So to start this discussion off, Laurel, how do you determine a character's uh, sexuality or sexual identity when you start to create a character? You know,
0: (laughs) the question of the day. I, this is funny because I think that this has developed for me over the course of time that I've played D&D. Like, I, I put very little thought <laughs> into my first character ever, a.k.a. world's horniest bard, um, who... <laughs> Was just he just came out of the box pansexual. There was nothing I could do about that. <laughs> He's just like that. Um, but my second character, and this this was a story that I was excited to tell <laughs> when we decided on this topic. Uh, my second character, I went into it, and he went into it. We both were just like you're straight, and then through the course of the campaign, um, <laughs> he had a very a very lovely little gay awakening, and um, by the end of that campaign, I was like, this bitch is gay. Like I I couldn't believe it. I had no idea. By Jove, this bitch is gay! exactly and the thing that was so funny about it was that it was like this came about through him like literally kissing a female NPC and then not liking it very much like at all and then <laughs> meeting another paladin who was gay and like had this like very lovely relationship and i just remember him be- in my head being like that's possible you can like men maybe i like men like that was just this thing and by the by the end of it it was like yeah this is this is who he is but moving beyond these first two characters who's sort of, you know, had very different experiences. I do, it's something that I think about now when I am sitting down to create a character, but I am a lot more detailed now than I was in the past. I I don't know that I answered the question, but
1: I am curious to hear your thoughts on this. I feel like there are some characters that I create that are just, they just are. Like you said, you know, your bard just came out of the box, pansexual. And like, I just find it really fascinating because, you know, I personally, part of my belief system, I don't believe anybody... I don't believe in, you know, born this way kind of uh, view. I believe that, you know, people discover and change and morph and, you know, there's not any one way to be. Yeah, it's fluid. Yeah, no, it's totally fluid. And I think the really interesting thing is that some people are just some characters. I slipped up and called them people. (laughs) They are people. They're people to me. (laughs) Freudian slip there. Um, Some characters are really, I'm like, you're a lesbian. There is no other way that you can be. And it's just like, I cannot conceive of you as liking men in any capacity. And then some characters, I'm like, oh, I think you're asexual. No, you're into women. No, you're into both. Like, it's just, um, it's something that you feel out and... I do think it's kind of interesting, like, what draws us particularly to trying to determine a character's sexuality, and why is that so important for gameplay? I think that it's, I mean, obviously
0: it's something that you and I are both very personally connected to and very passionate about, and I think that there's something to be said for visibility in gameplay, where it's like, we don't see these characters in TV or film or books or movies all that often, they do exist, but they're not there, and they're not necessarily there in the way that we want them to be there and so in this in the sense that like I am creating this character I get to decide who this person is and how they represent themselves is very exciting and so I think that that is part of what makes it so important to me is it's like I care about this very deeply and I am going to approach it with a level of excitement and respect in equal measure.
1: Yeah that, that is such a beautiful answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Well yeah and representation matters as a reason we want to see these kinds of characters and I think, you know, I am also very personally invested. As a queer woman myself, I am very into seeing myself in media because part of the reason I was able to was because of community and because other people were visible. And what is interesting about d d though, and bringing sexuality into d d because you and I don't play like sexy d d Like, that's not like a thing that we do. You know <laughs> what I mean? No, no, yeah. But sexuality comes up so much in the DD community, like even just like scrolling through d TikTok or on various actual gameplay shows it comes up all the time and I was thinking about why this is important honestly I think it's important because it's not because there's a way in D&D where sexuality feels normal it's like in real life where it's just like it's just in the background just because it's mentioned doesn't mean it's gonna come to anything and oddly enough that means more than you know waiting for you know the sort of Damocles barrier gaze to drop yeah yeah absolutely <laughs>
0: <laughs> the sword of barrier your gaze I agree. I think that there is this like level of safety that comes with that too, where like in these worlds, at least the ones that you and I are playing in, I, I can't say that this is true for every table, but like things like being discriminated against for being bisexual or gay or pansexual or trans or queer in any fashion don't exist in these worlds. Your character can be gay and because they're safe it and it doesn't matter and it is just sort of this thing running in the background like this is one piece of this character it does not define them totally and completely because they can just exist and it's like it's so refreshing (laughs) to just allow them to exist and be at peace with that and not have to deal with all of these like social
1: repercussions for identifying a certain way absolutely and you know that comes back to a lot of themes that we are already starting to tease out uh, even in like what three four episodes that these things matter that what you do in D&D play pretend world it can matter or not matter as much as you want but it has real impact and it's such a wonderful space to explore a lot of these ideas and I know personally my own journey with sexuality is very much in um uh, constantly morphing and changing but it is really interesting to see that happening for characters so you've sort of talked about this a little bit but do you uh develop or change ideas about sexuality in gameplay like in the middle of a game, in character? Um, <laughs> I I can say solidly yes. Like there there is a,
0: a particular character who when I when I made him, I was like, This this is a gay man <laughs> I was dead sure of that and then as I played him I was like I don't I don't that doesn't feel right and I didn't have any reason to feel that way outside of just like getting to know him in gameplay and seeing how he interacted in the world it just shifted and he is now married to a woman and expecting a child <laughs> <laughs> and is very very straight and that was unusual for me like having a character who is straight like strictly homosexual not <laughs> yeah. Freudian slip. Strictly heterosexual was really unusual for me to have one of those and he was sort of my first.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But um that came about because I it didn't feel right to put a specific label on him. Um alternatively, I have another character who there is not one single label that fits him at all, like sexuality or gender related. He just they Have you read that book? It's called like You Are Special and it's about like people put dots or stars on you if you do a good job or a bad job. They're like puppets. Do you know this or is this some weird Utah thing
1: I have no idea this sounds like a Black Mirror episode <laughs> but keep going they're like these little
0: puppet people and um, you stick stickers on them and there's this one puppet whose stickers don't stick to her and it's because um, she has like a sense of self-worth and she doesn't need validation from the other puppets Um, and that's kind of like how I envision this character is like trying to put a label on him is like trying to stick a sticker on the puppet that stickers don't stick to this, this, this is a wild metaphor yes. <laughs> But like I I had I even had a conversation like with the DM at this table where he was like, is this character gay? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, is he pansexual? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, what is he? And I was like, he's not anything like his society that he came from didn't have a concept of sex or gender the same way that we do. And so the framework of trying to be like to apply that to him just didn't happen. And that was something that developed over a long course of that campaign where I like slowly had this world that just built for him in the background of my mind where I was like, no, this is just who he
1: is. But have you, like, have you experienced anything of like that with your characters? I don't know. I don't know if I've made enough of them yet. Mm. I mean, there have certainly been points of time, and I've alluded this to this before, but like, there's this one specific character where when I made her, I didn't have any sexuality in mind. There was no like romantic interest that I built into her backstory at all. And so I was going through, I was like, oh, I think she might be ace like there's no nobody around that she seems to be attracted to and then she encounters one person and it's this like you know please step on me woman and (laughs) (laughs) I love it and then she was like oh and I was like oh I guess she's gay and then I was like you know like then there was another character that got introduced and magically he's very attractive (laughs) Oh, the 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 web that is being woven right now, <laughs> right? And then she was like, "Oh shit! I guess I'm also attracted to men." Like that just for some reason just clicked in her head. I was just like, "Oh." I could be attracted to anyone, whatever, now she's bi, just like casually. But the really interesting thing about that character for me is that I remember going into it and like really pushing back against her being gay. And I was just like, no, this doesn't, I don't want her to be this. Yeah. And part of that, you know, was me grappling with my own sexuality at the time, being, being scared that I was gay um, or scared that I wasn't bisexual enough. And that I was doing a disservice in some way by, you know, taking this character that could be bisexual and making them gay. Yeah. um, Or straight, you know, making them pick a side. I felt guilty about that in some way, but as I went through the game and then when she discovered this part of herself and she really did it, it wasn't me, you know, it felt very natural. And again, like not having an audience was so gratifying for this. I remember thinking in that moment, if this were a TV show, people would be upset about this. They would be upset that someone who was up to that point only exclusively attracted to women is now attracted to a man, but that pressure got lifted off and that helped me too. This did not answer the question at all, but it was <laughs> apparently need to be said. No, it did. And I
0: think that it leads to an interesting idea of how closely these experiences mirror real life. Like, I, I know personally very few queer people who have not undergone some sort of, like, journey. <laughs> yeah arriving at where they currently are and i think that especially now there's been a lot of sort of development and movement towards just kind of getting rid of <laughs> the binary altogether like who cares be attracted to whoever you're going to be attracted to and and that's that like it we don't need to have labels some people like labels i like labels <laughs> but you know if you don't need one then you don't need one and it's it's interesting to see like to be able to look at a character's journey of going from i am straight i kissed that woman I did not like doing that. (laughs) Like, I met someone who is gay. Maybe that could be me, too. That is me. Like, I think that that's a really beautiful thing. And it's a really lovely sort of way. I mean, me and my dissociative disorder talking again. Step back from yourself and let something else happen to you through, through this
1: lovely safety cushion of a character. Yeah, exactly. And we've sort of already talked about this. And we've been saying it the whole time. But it does matter. And why does it matter? And, you know, we say representation matters. But I also want to make sure that we say, you know, in your home games, you're not being observed in the same way. You don't have to play your games like it's an actual play podcast. You shouldn't. It's not fun. (laughs) I was going to say, if you are, you should stop because (laughs) it's not fun. (laughs) No. Take that, you know, take that panopticon. (laughs) Turn that panopticon off if you can. Turn that sense of surveillance off and just let yourself be. And it just, it opens up so much. It really does. It does.
0: And I think too, something to remember with representation is that because there are so few of these characters, um, you know, just out about in the world, they have this undue burden placed upon them of having to represent everyone and everybody's experience. Whereas like, you know, the straight characters, there's a million of those. So you don't look at a straight character and be like, ah, yes, this is all straight people. But anybody from any marginalized community they have to carry they have to represent everybody somehow and that's not possible but in d d you have just a wealth and a breadth and a diversity of so many different people and so many different characters and they're constantly coming in and out that like do what you want to do <laughs> it doesn't matter.
1: And I do think this is something that I needed to hear so I'm just gonna say it as well just because your character is one way doesn't mean you're secretly that thing. Yeah absolutely. And on the other side if you find yourself exploring questions of gender identity and sexuality a ton, and you've always thought of yourself as straight, it's a good time for self-reflection. Don't punish yourself if you are or aren't, of course. Like I, I would recommend coming at it with this as much of a neutral lens as you can, and just come at this and understand that this is a place to explore and changing your mind is okay as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I do think
0: sexuality on at a very base level is fundamentally neutral. Yes, it should be. <laughs> It will be. We're going to make a world where this happens. I swear it. By the force of will and this one humble podcast, we shall make it happen. (laughs) We will make it happen. Remove the sword from the sky. No more gays shall be buried
1: today. (laughs) We have to end there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. wanted or not some unsolicited advice
0: all right unsolicited advice this is just our our lifeblood and our livelihood (laughs) here's the question for today what can we do to get comfortable using or abandoning character voices
1: um well practice (laughs) i think is that's the number one thing but also like i love the idea that this is D&D. It's a fantasy world. If somebody's just like, your Australian accent doesn't sound Australian, you're like, that's because there's no Australia here. A hundred percent. I think with,
0: with character voices, it's just a matter of like being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Because it's it's wicked uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's 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 wicked uncomfortable as a player and it's wicked uncomfortable as a DM. And I think that there's an, an extra amount of pressure on DMs because you have like a, a bajillion NPCs that you have to differentiate. And it's just sort of this like unspoken expectation I think that people have of DMs where they're like why aren't you doing the silly voices why aren't you doing them you know and I don't I don't think that they're necessary I really truly don't I think that there are other ways to differentiate characters and if you are just so wildly uncomfortable doing character voices you don't have to like feel free to chuck it out the window but I will say that if you want to get good at them the only way to do that is by doing it which is you know the unfortunate rule of the universe (laughs) if you want to get
1: good at something, practice. Yeah. And just be silly. You're in a play space. But pro tip, just practice it alone in your room, your car, your the car is such a good place to practice character voices. The car is a great place. I yeah, I do that constantly. You cannot be walked in on, overheard. Just just go for it. And if somebody in the car next to you looks over and sees you talking to yourself, they don't know that you're talking to yourself. They just think you have Bluetooth on. Exactly. You
0: you. They don't know that you're practicing your you know strange British accent for your fear bulk. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know they don't know that you're monologuing to yourself in whatever. character.
1: Character voice, And, you know, think about, too, uh, some character voices fit certain characters and some don't. Just be ready to, you know, let that go and experiment. It's okay if your accent wanders, especially for the first few sessions. Oh, 100%. And, like, I, I am, I,
0: <laughs> I was going to say queen of the wandering accent. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I do like to think of myself as someone who is, like, reasonably decent at character voices. But, like, we just started this new campaign and there's so many NPCs <laughs> <laughs> and all of them have different voices, and I legit, I was just like, I can't, blah, blah. the whole session, that first session, because I just, I couldn't get them out. But this is the thing, is that it's like, we're all going to be bad at it at some point. Even those of us who are good at it are going to be bad at it. Like, we're going to mess up, and that's fine. Comfort is a matter of exposure, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: C-R-E-E-C-H-U-R, creature, corner.
1: I am presenting the creature.
0: (laughs) Bring out the creature!
1: (laughs) Okay, so today we are talking about the Dark Mantle. That's its theme music. You always have to do the fanfare. (laughs) (laughs) That was theme music for the Dark Mantle. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. So from the Forgotten Realms wiki, the Dark Mantle resembles an octopus or squid with limestone colored skin and a thick membrane of skin stretched between each of its tentacles, reaching about two-thirds of the to the tips. Part of its body is covered in a stony dorsal shell. While perfectly still, they look just like stalactites, stalagmites, or other lumps of stone. A dark mantle has eight eye spots, but these are not true eyes. Each of a dark mantle's tentacles is covered in teeth, and it has a lamprey-like mouth at their intersection. From the back of its head is a mucus-colored foot muscle, with which it can cling to a wall or ceiling. So, uh, what are your first impressions of the Dark Mantle? First impressions of the Dark Mantle.
0: One, love caves. Two, love octopuses. Therefore, must love cave octopus. There's something about it that's very Lovecraftian in a way that I enjoy. Uh, And I, I also think that, like... I I love- I love caves. (laughs) I have a weird- I have a weird affinity for caves. And I I, I think that like the idea of walking through a cave in complete darkness and then all of a sudden this like stalactite fully moves and has teeth on its tentacles and is not a stalagmite is great. It's terrifying. It's cosmic horror at its finest. They can also fly, by the way.
1: no swim, but fly. They fly.
0: Well, they're not in the water. They're in the cave. I guess you could be in an underwater cave, which is a a, a big fear of mine. <laughs> Me too. It's scary. It's very scary. It's
1: terrifying.
0: What are your first impressions of this 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 friendly friend? It's not friendly. Um
1: it's not friendly. No. That's my first impression. Um I don't have an affinity for caves as a um tried and true Floridian. Um I like my open spaces and where I can see everything all the time. <laughs> that being said, it is a great monster, but the first impressions I get are that it's like one of those video game enemies that just like drops from the ceiling and you have to avoid them. Totally. You know? Yeah. Also the name Dark Mantle just makes me think that like somebody can put like somebody needs to wear this as a cape. I was just about to say that. I do think
0: I don't know if it's an official magic item or not, but I did see a Dark Mantle mantle, like <laughs> mantle of the dark mantle kind of thing where someone had made a cloak out of a dark mantle which is very good i don't know that it would make a great cloak like the idea of stretching like membrane into a, a into a cape is kind of kind of yucky it's like making a
1: cape out of bat wings or something <laughs> but maybe kind of metal i don't know now i want to do a cave-based campaign Pretty cool. Okay, so vibe check. It passes
0: my vibe check. It passes my vibe check on the virtues of being terrifying
1: in exactly the right way. Mm. I, yeah, it passes the vibe check, but like it sort of passes the vibe check in the way that it camouflages itself in its own environment. You know what I mean? That's a good way to describe it. Well, and that's what I was going to say too, is that like, to me,
0: this is almost something that could conceivably exist. Like, caves are so scary and spooky and wonderful. And you look at them and you're like, hmm. Like, I think that this just speaks to that, like, you know, monkey brain cave scary. Like, there could be a dark mantle in there. Like, that's that's what it speaks to to me. It doesn't have this, like, like it's a fantasy creature, but it also feels very science fiction, yeah. which I think is a little vaguely more grounded in reality. Yeah.
1: Oh, I do like that. So, practical or impractical uses for this creature? We've already discussed its impracticality as an actual mantle. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, I feel like it could make a nice sort of um ambush predator pet. If you were living in a cave, it could be a guard dog. Oh my god, <laughs> if you have the bat cave, it's the security. Yeah, there we go. Hey, hey Bruce Wayne. We got a we got a dark mantle for you. The Dark Knight and the Dark Mantle. <laughs> the Dark Mantle and Alfred are best friends. Absolutely.
1: Laurel, would you like to bring up your show and tell?
0: <laughs> yes. Here I come to the front of the class with my little box. Um, And I open up the box and inside of the box is um a campaign that I, we have been playing for a year and a half now, recently resumed sessions. It was really fun to be back to these characters and back to this world and something that just like, this is, this is a little tooting my own horny about my, <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> keep that in. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> this is me tooting my own horn but um finding that character again and being able to settle back into him so easily and like just inhabit him and his his accent as we were talking about character voices was like such a breath of fresh air and so much fun that it just like it was a highlight of my week and will probably continue to be a highlight of my week into next week
1: Thank you, dear listener, for lending your ears. May the stories you tell be grand and humble in equal measure. May the characters you meet be brimming with adventure. And may the chances you take lead to some natural twenties.